The Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Well, good afternoon, folks, and good morning to some, and possibly even good evening to others listening around the world. Yes, I know it's not Wednesday. It happens to be Thursday, and the reason I'm recording today rather than Wednesday is that, you know, I've noticed that a lot of my listeners has been listening to this on a podcast, and as you uh, well know, I do this live as well. So for those of you listening live, welcome. Uh, For those of you listening on the podcast, welcome as well. I decided to do today's show. You know, those of you that have listened to my show in the past know I have a uh, a real interest in ancient stoneworking. Uh, I did a whole entire show on the pyramids and how those were built, or the theories, I should say, of how they were built. And then I was doing some uh, reading the other day, actually about a week ago, and had a friend of mine that actually just came back from Machu Picchu, and uh, we ended up discussing how these stone walls were built down there. Now, a little bit of uh, background, if you will, and that is the Incas back around the uh, 15th century built these massive structures, uh, pyramids, walls, uh, buildings, etc. And if you go down there and you look at these stones, the stones are so tight to one another. And, and when I say tight, I mean so tight you can take a razor blade and you cannot put a razor blade between the joints. Now, we're not talking little stones. We're talking very, very large stones, you know, that can't be lifted by one man to give you an idea. I forget what the actual weight of some of these materials are, but uh, I I think I read that some of these stones weighed upwards of 100 tons. They were quarried, I don't know, 25 kilometers away, whatever that equates to in miles, and uh, were moved to the site. Now, what's really interesting about this is that these were done – the Incas did not have metal tooling. They had rocks, they had plants, they had sand, they had a number of different things, but they did not have metal toolings. So how did they, not only how did they construct them, and, and that's not what I'm going to focus on today. I'm going to focus more on how did they get those joints so tight. Now, over the years, there has been lots of theories of how they did this. Uh, one of the most popular theories were they were patient. Uh, they would basically uh, either use a template or they would take a stone and place it next to another stone and kind of scribe it uh, to make it the same shape as a, as a stone next to it. But even that, you, you can get it so tight, but you're not going to get it, get it perfect. Some of the other theories are that they, they did that. They, they actually scribed it or they templated it. And then they took fine sand and just rubbed the sand on there till it was so smooth that these stones actually fit together uh, perfectly. And even with that technique, 
uh, you're still not going to get the tight joints that we see on these particular um, stone walls, especially. So how did they do it? Well, in doing some research, I found a paper, and I'll tell you what the paper is. The title of the paper, which was published in the SDRP, I don't know what SDRP stands for, but anyway, it's the SDRP Journal of Earth Science and Environmental Studies. And this is going to give it away what I'm going to talk about. The title of the paper is On the Reddish Glittery glittery Mud that Inca used for perfecting their stone masonry. And this is a, uh, a paper that was published by um, Helmut, I'm going to botch his name, Tribuchitz. Uh, anyway, if you'd like the link to this, just go ahead and send me an email. It's fhuston at gmail.com. That's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. It's a really, really interesting paper. Uh, you know, it's approximately, I'm looking at it right now, 16 pages long. And if you're really interested in this sort of thing, it is really an interesting read. It's it's not done in a, well, let me just put it this way. It's done in a fairly easy to read. It's not, uh, you know, highly technical. So you don't have to have a PhD in geology, chemistry, or architecture in order to read it. It's, it, it's quite entertaining if you like this stuff. So what are we talking about here? How the latest theory... And one that I think is, is, has some substance to it is that where they've mined these rocks, okay, and they've used igneous rocks, they used sedimentary rocks, in other words, they used granite, they used diorite, uh, they used obsidian, they used limestone, a bunch of different materials. Um, when you mine this stuff, you end up getting a, a, a bath of water, if you will, a, a puddle or a lake of water that is very acidic, now, here's the interesting thing. Some people think that they actually used gold because they found traces of gold between these joints when they dissected the joints. And what they discovered is that it really wasn't gold. It was pyrite, which for those of you who are unfamiliar with pyrite, that's what we call fool's gold. It's the same color as gold, but it's not really gold. And when you take gold and you place it in, in this this quarry with this water, there's a certain bacteria that will feed on that particular pyrite and produce a very acidic sulfuric acid. And when I say sulfuric acid, it will produce a pH of like 0.5, which is like 10 to the fourth power more stronger than the stomach, your stomach acid, to give you an idea of how strong this acid is. So the belief is that they had some kind of concoction made with this water that they placed in between the stones and what you literally did is it ate away at the stone, melted it, if you will, because when you, you, they dissected some of these walls and they took one stone off the other, there was an actual imprint into the stone as if it were soft clay and these were hard materials. And so, you know, how, how does that happen? Well, that happens by softening the stone. So what this particular gel did, well, actually created a gel, this particular water solution, created a gel by working with the, the silicate in the stone itself, causing it to form a gel. So what would happen is it would, it would melt into, eat away at both faces of the stone, melt into it, and then eventually just, so that's why there was really no evidence of any kind of mortar, clay, or anything between these stones. And you end up with a, a joint that is extremely, extremely tight. So let me go over some of my notes here. If you happen to be listening live and you want to call in with a comment, the number is 323-870-3968. That's 
870-3968. And obviously, if you're listening through the podcast, um, you're not going to be able to uh, call me because it'll be a podcast. So anyway, uh, let me go over my notes here. Um, oh, another interesting thing is when they built these, they're what they call earthquake resistant. Now you're saying, well, how can they be earth- earthquake resistant? Well, they discovered that if they lean these rocks on a 2 to 5% tilt, they tend to, when an earthquake does occur, they tend to fall back into that shape, that, that tilt prevents them from toppling over which I thought was kind of interesting. And I don't know the science to that. And you can, you can look up some of these papers and I'm not sure this paper I just quoted you will actually go over that or not, but it's, it's really, really, really interesting. Um, so you got the impressions. Uh, some of the stones I, they used are igneous rocks. I had mentioned that granite, uh, andersite, uh, diorite, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this, this clay brine, if you will, that, 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 that is melting these stones is, is a, uh, a reddish, almost like a clay material, um, which isn't visible, as, as I had mentioned. Uh, let's see. They call these areas in the quarry an acid mine mineral bath, uh, which, which is interesting. And, it, and bacterial action is what causes it, uh, causes it to, to do that. So, um, so the theory of rubbing the stones together uh, with sand and that may be part of what they did. But, you know, will anybody ever know? I don't know. Uh, this, this particular um, technique that was discovered by this gentleman in that paper that I had just mentioned uh, was actually replicated, and it worked. Uh, it actually, you know, melted the, melted the stone, which, which is kind of interesting. And for those of you history buffs out there know what happened to the Incas. The Incas came, or the Spanish came in, invaded the Incas in Peru, and that was the end of that civilization. Now, there is some study, and I don't want to get too heavy into the history here, that a lot of these walls that were built were actually pre-Inca. In other words, done uh, before the Incas uh, arrived in Peru, which that dates back to... Yeah, probably the 1400s sometimes, because I think the Inca period lasted from 1428 to around 15, 1570, 70s, uh, somewhere on that, at least from the research uh, that I gathered. So it's really interesting. And this type of stuff really interests me when it comes to, you know, the business that we're in. You know, we're in the stone and tile business, but you want to go back and look at, you know, some of the things that, that were done in the past, many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And you know, ironically, a lot of this stuff hasn't really changed all that much. And some of it's, you know, a big mystery. You know, there's people that think aliens brought, created these. But, you know, when you really start looking into things and looking at some of the natural materials that occur. Um, one of the other things I read, and those of you guys in the restoration business and in the fabrication business are familiar with oxalic acid. You know, where does oxalic acid come from? Oxalic acid comes from certain plants. As a matter of fact, the spinach that you eat in your, your Popeye salad uh, is actually contains oxalic acid. And there's some, some evidence with these walls that some people have found that they created a paste uh, made out of uh, certain plants that contained oxalic acid, which helped in the uh, melting erosion of these particular stones in order to give them a tighter, tighter fit. So it's really, really interesting. And again, let me quote the paper. It is called on the reddish glittery mud glittery can't can't pronounce glittery folks glittery mud the Inca used for perfecting their stone masonry. This is published back in uh, 2017, by the way, so uh, a number of years ago, but not that long ago when it comes to uh, architectural history. Anyway, uh, so fairly new. Uh, it's just it, it's really interesting. There's a whole abstract here. 
uh, an introduction. They talk about how the walls, how the walls are constructed. There's some nice photographs in here too. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the photographs are really good. Uh, goes into detail observations on the fitted stone blocks. What did the early chronicles say about finishing stones? Uh, for you uh, restoration guys out there, there's also a, a little bit here on how they think they polish the material. Uh, is there a need to evoke chemical treatments of Inca masonry is one of the topics. Um, strategy and guiding hypothesis, the knowledge transfer from the mining industry. And when you read this, you, you kind of light bulb goes in. You go, well, that makes sense. Then it talks about pyrite mud and its properties and how it reacts with uh, some of the bacteria and iron, et cetera. And then the story of the pedo and his skill in softening rocks with her herbs. And that's what I had mentioned before uh, with the oxalic acid. Uh, did the Inca masonry workers apply heat? Uh, it's another theory that heat, and it could have been a combination of all these methods as well that, that were how they got these. I tell you, if you ever, ever have an opportunity to go to, uh, go to Peru and, and see the, you know, Machu Picchu and all these structures, it is just, you know, from, a, from a stone guy standpoint, and incredible. It's just absolutely, absolutely incredible. So, folks, uh, I, I kind of wanted to, just, to, to make you aware of that, point you out to this paper, uh, if you're interested in this sort of thing. And even if you're not in the stone industry and you're uh, you're listening, this is really interesting. Uh, I know Ancient Architects, the TV show, has done a, a story on this, as well as some of the other, uh, uh, like on Discovery Channel, History Channel, et cetera, have done done a lot of um, stories on this as well. But this paper is really enlightening as far as I'm concerned and, and makes a lot of sense. And again, if you want a, a copy of this paper, I can send you the link. I bookmarked it in my computer here. All you have to do is send me an email. That's F Houston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. All right, let's take a quick break and I'll come back with some final announcements here in a minute. Thank you, Tough Skin, one of our gold sponsors. Marble etches and stains, Tough Skin guarantees it will not. Tough Skin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with a proprietary stone laminate products. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Tough Skin Surface Protection has done it. Available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F SkinProtection.com to learn more. All righty, folks, we're back. And uh, actually, I have a preview for next week's show or an announcement for next week's show. And it's something that uh, a friend of mine had sent me. And I was kind of aware of these particular um, uh, things I'm going to talk about here in a second. I'm going to actually do a show on it uh, next for our next show. And that is what is called the Invisible Cooktop. Uh, a cooktop where you can cook directly on your granite countertop. No cutouts needed whatsoever. So uh, if you don't know what that is, tune in uh, with my next show. You know, pay attention to my website, pay attention to the uh, my Facebook page, my LinkedIn page, my Alignable page, my Twitter feed, uh, my Instagram, and all those other social media feeds that I have out there. And we'll talk about the invisible cooktop where you can cook directly on your countertop uh, without any burners, without any any cutting any cooktop uh, cutouts, et cetera. So that should be an interesting show. Also, I will mention, as I do every uh, week, and that is I have my stone inspection 
and uh, troubleshooting class coming up in Vegas uh, February 6th through the 9th of next year, 2023. Uh, it fills up fast. I keep the class uh, very uh, low in numbers. So if you want to get in on that, go ahead and um, send me an email. Give me a telephone call. Uh, email is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. My personal cell phone number is 321-514-6845. Go ahead and give me a ring, and uh, we'll go ahead and get you registered. I will take a deposit. I can take payments up until that that point as well if you don't want to fork out all the money all, all at one time. But it's, it's a really great class. Uh, if you need some uh, testimonials, I'd be more than happy to give you some. I also have some on my website as well, stoneforensics.com. All right, folks, until next week uh, or next time we have a show, thanks for listening. Uh, keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, and fabricating those tops. Later, my friends. Ready to take your skills to the next level? Visit gettraintoday.com. To learn about e-learning and hands-on courses offered by the Surfaces Learning Institute, learn from industry experts the skills needed to start offering stone and tile restoration, or take your existing skills to the next level quickly and with a solid foundation. More advanced courses include commercial maintenance, inspection and troubleshooting, historic property preservation, how to become an expert witness, and more. Training offered at the Institute goes well beyond essential restoration and maintenance skills training to include a variety of other relevant topics for growing your business and leveraging your skills. For example, essential marketing or how to become an expert witness. All training is reinforced with resources and tremendous support to help you hit the ground running with confidence. Visit GetTrainedToday.com to learn more. Are you looking for quality greenstone working products? ESP sells many lines of fine quality, environmentally safe products. Stone Pro, MB Stone Care, Bondstone and Touchstone Adhesives, more Stone Care products, Easy Care products, and Better Bio, which is over 80% bio-based and approved by the USDA. For more info, visit ESPSales.net. That's ESPSales.net.